When scientists began tracking the health of 268 Harvard sophomores during the Great Depression, they had one main objective, to identify predictors of healthy aging. This longitudinal study, which spanned almost 80 years, was expanded to include the men's offspring, rounding the total number of participants to over 1,500. Some of the participants went on to become successful businessmen, doctors, and lawyers. One man, John Kennedy, became president. Another, Ben Bradley, became the longtime Washington Post editor. Others didn't fare as well and became schizophrenics or alcoholics or both. The men were evaluated at least every two years by questionnaires, information from their physicians, and in many cases by personal interviews. Information was gathered about their mental and physical health, career enjoyment, retirement experience, and marital quality. While there were some results that wouldn't be a surprise to anyone today, like together with associated cigarette smoking, alcoholism is the single greatest contributor to the participants' early morbidity, there were some surprising conclusions from the study in regard to our relationships. According to Dr. George Valiant, the director of Harvard's study of adult development, the study's main conclusion is that the warmth of relationships throughout life has the greatest positive impact on life satisfaction. Put differently, Valiant says, the study shows that happiness is love, full stop. On this episode of Think Significantly, we are going to talk about how other people influence our happiness and what we can do about that. Hello, everyone. We're happy to be back with you after our brief hiatus. I'm Pete, and you all know my delightful co-host, the person that always brings a smile to my face, the one, the only, Melissa. Oh, hello, everyone. Hi, Pete. Well, since we're talking about how others influence our happiness, that was that was appropriate. Thank you so much. I do occasionally try to stay on message. Occasionally, yes. Occasionally, so yes. I'm making an effort. It, it'll it'll dissipate quickly, I'm sure. But for right now, I'm I'm right there. Okay. So this month, we're going to be talking about happiness. What is it? Is it a feeling? Is it a state of being? How do we get it? What do we confuse it with? What are some obstacles that keep us from it? And for today specifically, how do others impact it? I'm very eager to discuss this uh, because a lot of our happiness is relative, pun totally intended, <laughs> to how we relate to others, <laughs> how we compare ourselves to others our perception of how others sees us. So the list goes on and on. Okay, yeah, it absolutely does. And let's start, as is our habit, with a definition of happiness. I was afraid you're going to say that because, you know, as you probably already know, Pete, from doing your own research, Mm -hmm. that there's like 772 million results when you Google definition of happiness. Yep, I absolutely (laughs) saw that there's quite uh, quite a variety of interpretations of that word. So because of that, Uh, I'm going to suggest that uh, we start each episode this month by sharing just one of those definitions that we found to best encapsulate what happiness is. Okay, well, I'm all about narrowing the playing field, so I'm game. I'm in. Okay, good. So I'll 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 kick it off here. I'm kind of old school, so I thought I'd kick it. I'd I'd start with just the Oxford English Dictionary's definition of happy. I mean, that's a standard for definitions, right? 
yeah, like it's it's pretty reliable, I find. So yeah. 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 So okay. so their definition of happy is feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Okay. All right. Well, succinct, yeah, deep. I like it. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? In fact, I, I jotted down a couple notes here before we started talking that I wanted to make sure I brought up when I shared that definition. All right. I'm here for it. Let's go. So so the first is that happiness is not a trait, but a state. It's a trait, not a state. No, nope, no, no. It's not a trait. Oh, a oh, oh, oh. It's a state. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right. Okay. Yes. It is definitely not something you're going to find in a genome sequence. Yes. I'm agreeing with you. Yes. Right. Right. And and the definition says that that happiness is a is feeling or showing, so it can be manifested inwards or outwards, which I found fascinating. Or both, maybe even. Yeah, no, it could certainly be both. Right? Sure. Yeah. And and it's it's not to be confused with the more extreme feelings that sometimes get added to the happy continuum. Mm -hmm. it, it's not ecstasy, bliss, or joy. Mm -hmm. And and I'm positive that in the course of this month we'll discuss this point. Uh, but some people get confused about what happiness is and assume that they don't feel it because they're waiting for something to to like blow their hair back. Right. That definition that you posited says happiness is pleasure or contentment, which right. I actually do want to put a pin in for a future discussion. Um, mm -hmm. I have more to, to say about that, but I don't want to derail us, at least not this early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're heaven, like, for, heaven forbid we should get derailed. <laughs> Heaven forbid she meander and just converse. <laughs> God, who are we? What do we think? We have a podcast? Seriously. Um, yes. But to the point at hand, you know, I think that when people use words like contentment, it can sound like so like yawn, like ho-hum. Yeah. But that's really because we live in a first world country where we're bombarded by propaganda that borders on a hedonistic lifestyle. Ooh, I, I, you know what? I love your word choice there. I, I Propaganda? <laughs> Bombarded. Yes, I, I do love both of those as well yes but but your your use of of hedonistic okay uh, is, is just a perfect transition into what I have down for my first point for today's discussion Which and, and, and that's hedonic editing oh, oh 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 yes 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 cool I have that down to discuss as well so that's great all right okay go ahead so so what hedonic editing is for those of you not as familiar with the term is that people tend to prefer to segregate positive and negatives that happen in their lives uh, in a way that that they would choose to spread them out. So they're, uh, they prefer multiple events to occur on different days rather than on the same day. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, people would rather receive two parking tickets on different days than get two parking tickets on the same day. Well, yeah, because otherwise you're like, did you not learn the first time? <laughs> yeah. When it says no parking, it means no parking. <laughs> you right, you would think yeah. uh, you would drive around for the second one until you. Clear, found one clearly, I live in the city. Clearly, right. like this has ever happened to yeah. me, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, parking's not an issue in the burbs, so right. I'll just yes. I'll take your word for that. But but that also works for positives. So people would rather win two raffles on two separate days than on the same day. And I feel like that's like to spread out the love uh, and like similarly to negate some of the negative in regard to the parking tickets. You're just trying to sort of like, you know, spread it out a bit. That's right. A, yeah. Right. Right. So, so for, for hedonic editing, you're looking to, right. Make the, like, like you said, stretch out the good feelings longer. Mm -hmm. And for the negative ones, you want to lessen the impact. 
Mm -hmm. um, so, so spreading them out makes the, makes them not as bad. Mm -hmm. um, but what's super interesting is that there is something called social hedonic editing. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is, is it, it occurs in regard to people dealing with other people in their life um, and how they would prefer that good things happen to them and their friend on the same day. Okay. So I got to do an example clearly to make sure this. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, hold on a second. Right. So basically what you're saying is you, you would be most happy if you and I won the lottery on the same day versus you winning it today and me winning it like two months down the road. Right. According to research, I would be. Yes, that's correct. So is that so that you don't get stuck picking up the check for like two months until you get your own <laughs> windfall? Because now I see you as Mr. Big Money. Not to be confused with Mr. Big. Are, is that a is that a Sex in the City reference? Look, look I'm at, told it is. <laughs> look at you! Look at you pulling out pop culture. I don't even know you anymore. I don't even know what Sex in the City. Is. <laughs> I just know those just, two things go together. You just you just sprinkling that in, huh? Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to make it look like I'm of this generation. <laughs> yes, like I watch TV or something. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well. I'll tell you that research says that the rationale behind it is to establish a common rapport with someone else. Okay, I can see that. So it now becomes like another data point of intersection. It increases what we've talked about previously on another episode about consubstantiality with each other. So we have the <laughs> same friends. We went to the same college. We majored in the same major. And now we've both hit the lottery. And we're going to be shopping for yachts together. Oh, I can't. No, I can't see you buying a yacht, Melissa. No, no, no. Why? Why? you would, you would have that lump sum locked up in investments as soon as they hand you that big Ed McMahon publisher's clearinghouse size check. Oh, say moi. Moi. <laughs> is that not, is that, you know. Uh, I was using some French, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, like me, it is me. You've seen me, I've been seen. Yeah, but uh, that, was, that was a good one. All right, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, look forward to Pete and all his French pronunciations coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, interesting you brought that up because because speaking of French, here we go. We're going to be, I want to bring up the Diderot effect. You familiar with that? I actually am, yes. Okay. So I feel like it might come off as a bit of a stretch in this episode on how our friends influence our happiness. But if you will indulge me, I can easily tie this in. Always. Because we never said that our friends have to positively impact our happiness. You're you're absolutely correct. That is that is a true statement. And let's let me just hit the button here. Initiating Melissa shows her dark heart sequence in three, two, one. Go ahead. <laughs> it's in every episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I want to say I'm sorry and also you're welcome because I do bring a certain je ne sais quoi to the podcast. I would otherwise be absent without my point of view. No, you're, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I am actually so intrigued to hear how you're going to tie this in. All right. Well, I, it's not too far of a stretch. So, so the Diderot effect, for those of you who need a refresh, is named after a French philosopher named Denis Diderot, who after living his entire life in poverty is offered quite a handsome sum of money by Catherine the Great. Uh, not just Catherine the Good, in exchange for his library. <laughs> right. Yes. Right, right. His whole right. library, she's going to give him some money. She's going to pay right. him. And and Diderot was the founder of La Encyclopédie. <laughs> so 
is that just wait for Pete to speak French. Is, is that is that good? Is that it's good if you took German in high school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. So I'm good. <laughs> our French, so, our <laughs> folks in France, we just lost those five listeners. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Tending like native French speakers. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Yes. I apologize. He founded that thing. Yes. Repeat. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 of course, as you can imagine, as someone who owns a library, was notoriously well read. Right. As you could imagine, that library was quite something. So mm -hmm. he agrees to the exchange, and when he gets his money, he decides he's going to buy himself a new scarlet robe. Which is which just stands to reason. I mean, if you're going to have this huge, impressive library, it doesn't really count if you don't have a robe. Yeah, but he. The point is, Pete, is he doesn't have the library. Anymore. I well, well, yeah, that's true too. I, yeah, I hadn't considered that. Yeah. He was supposed to. He like missed the boat on that. <laughs> yeah, ships yeah. passing in the night. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So he but, sells his library, gets the robe. Right, and, but instead of being all happy with his new scarlet robe, right, he starts comparing it to his other belongings. You know, now now his slippers don't match the robe, and on and on. Mm -hmm. And he begins to acquire more and more. Until eventually he's swimming in excess. And debt. And dissatisfaction. Yes. And while you think this is a cautionary tale about thinking that material possessions will make you happy, it really is all is about always thinking that the next thing is what's going to make you happy. Right? Because he was like, oh, if I can only get a robe. And then he's like, oh, if I can only get some slippers. Yeah, right. Right. It was always, it was always just out of reach. Right. And, and we can apply this to achievements in life just as equally as we can apply these slippers and robes. Right. The lesson here is that happiness is really more of a here and now thing. If we, mm -hmm. if we hinge happiness solely on an accomplishment or material object, there will always be that feeling of it's something just slightly out of grasp, something that we don't have currently. Right. Right. And I, and I think this goes back to the idea about happiness being a feeling of pleasure or contentment. It isn't that pop rocks kind of feeling, but something more subtle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And therefore, like less fleeting, something that lingers. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the idea of uh, happiness always being around the next bend makes me think of something a bit tangential. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also definitely relevant to the conversation. And that is toxic productivity. Right. Oh, okay. Coming. I know we talked about it, right? Yeah, we did. Um, basically, if we suffer from this notion of never enoughness, well, that always keeps us doing, right? We get into this cycle. Right. And and what's interesting about that, Melissa, is that sometimes that endless doing is actually a way to avoid dealing with unresolved feelings that we have. That we hmm. All right. Well, so that's pretty profound. I, I just have to think about how that ties in happiness. I know it does. I just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just kind of have to do the math. Yep. I can see the figures circling <laughs> your head there. Like that yeah. meme. Yep. Exactly. You're Kira Sedgwick, right? The number. Oh thing. yes. I'm like with that one actress. Right. Yeah. Who's married to right. Kevin Bacon. Right. That one. Yep. That's the yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So make sure you yeah, just, you know, carry the one, you know, square <laughs> the root. And... Square the root. Yeah. So are you saying, are you saying that in theory we sometimes don't want to deal with the hard stuff that would most definitely not make us feel happy so instead we get ourselves embroiled in the endless to-do list yes okay right. 
it would be a form of avoidance behavior. Oh, okay. Um, which, you know, typically I think it's more common for people to, to take on avoidance behaviors that people see as being a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly there's a faction of people that take on these high productivity tasks mm-hmm. um, or, or this, this high, this, this posture of high productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the result of that may mean missing out on things that we enjoy, mm-hmm. ensuring that happiness is always going to remain just out of reach. So kind of thereby creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. Uh, very potentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also have a, a bit of a different spin on toxic productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that some people find themselves trapped in, in like this endless spin cycle of tasks because they're trying to get others to give them the recognition they feel they need to be happy. Um, so yeah, it keeps us from dealing with uncomfortable feelings, but, but for some people, I believe the root of it stems from trying to prove worth to others, mm-hmm. which we think will make us happy. Yeah. And as we know, I mean, everybody knows there, there are some people out there who are like bottomless pits and will suck the marrow out of you and will never Absolutely. be satisfied. But this really ties into the idea of what happiness feels like, right? If it's if it's per- perpetually just these fleeting pop rocks, fireworks moments, mm-hmm. it doesn't take very long to realize that the the juice might not be worth the squeeze. Right, and the and the situation that you're referring to is just to be clear, you're you're really working off someone else's agenda, doing things that you think will make them happy, which will provide you, by extension, with happiness. Right. Exactly. All of exactly. that from the guy who sold his library and bought a robe. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Diderot. <laughs> yes. So sorry that you squandered your windfall on things that did not make you happy, but we appreciate the lesson. Yeah. Uh, you know what? And that's, you didn't, you're just setting me up left and right here because that was another great segue. Oh, uh, when you said setting you up, I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> oh, like teeing something up for you. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, I'm not setting you up, man. We're partners. Was, All right. Was, I just I just came from the volleyball game. That was a set. I'm getting ready to spike. Got it. Got it. All right. I'm there. So what you said actually made me think of something else in my notes here that I wanted to talk about. And that's social proof, also known as consensus, Okay. which is when people behave in a way consistent with people around them. Okay, wait, um, this, this, this is a hard connection for me to make. Diderot made you think of this? Because my takeaway is that I don't want to do what Diderot did. No, right. No, we don't want to do what Diderot did. But I, but I think that, that Diderot had his perception mm-hmm. of what was making other people happy. Mm-hmm. And he was looking to mimic that. I think he, he assumed that happiness came in the form of possession, in the form of a robe. Oh, I see. He's just, I got you. He's, he's, yeah. It's um keeping up with the Joneses. That's precisely, yes. That's a great way to write. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. And social proof is one of Robert Cialdini's six principles of persuasion. Oh. But I think it is really applicable here in regards to happiness. Oh yeah. The guy. Oh yeah. If you, yeah. He's the guy about all persuasion, right? Very big mm-hmm. in marketing and advertising. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see where you're going with this because sometimes we are looking around to gauge what is making other people happy, you know, to kind of get ideas of our own. Why the hell do you think Pinterest is so so, so big, <laughs> right. right? No, yeah. that, that's exactly right, yeah. Right, yeah. In a world where our lives are concocted to be part of our social media streams. I had, now, I didn't say that 
see, this is where it gets tricky. Is I didn't say that other people had a beat on happiness, mm -hmm. just that we tend to take our cues from other people in regard to everything, mm -hmm. right? In regard to, you know, whether we're wearing shoes in a restaurant or, you know, driving in the out lane or, you know, all these things. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of those are laws, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool that yeah, other people yeah. want to do it too. Right. Right. Sure. Especially the driving on the right side of the road. I really yeah. appreciate that one. I was, I was thinking of a, of a parking lot that says, you know. Oh, don't, okay. Don't enter here or, you know, has those little friendly arrows telling you which way to go and people never seem to listen to them. Okay, parking lot. I was thinking of driving in Jersey and thinking, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I guess it's going to get right. worse for me, right? right. Like, thank you, kind sir, for driving yeah. on the proper side of the road. So so listeners, come up with your own example there because clearly <laughs> I'm I'm flailing here, but. But I got you. Okay. But, we, but we mimic other people's behavior. This is, I mean, honestly, not to do a callback, but. But you're you know, going to do a callback. Go ahead. Yeah, but it goes back to our shopping cart thing, kind of, where, you know, <laughs> some people felt pressure to return the shopping carts because they thought they were going to be judged by other people around them. And if and if a parking lot was neat and clean, mm -hmm. then a person would be more inclined to put the cart away than if it was dirty. You know, we're taking our cues from those around us. Right. Yeah. So we do that. We do that with everything, including happiness. So let's get into the heart of the topic. How do others influence our happiness? Well, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to anyone that research shows us that the people you choose to spend your time with have an effect on your mood. Are you uh, are you saying that the old poem, laugh and the world laughs with you, weep and you weep alone is not exactly accurate? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying that, but research is saying that, yeah. All right. Well, let's see what you got. Show me your cards, Pete. So there's there's a, a Dr. William Chopik, who is a social personality psychologist at Michigan State University. Mm -hmm. And his his niche is friendship and attributes. Um, Dr. Chopik conducted research that indicates that friendships have a bigger impact on a person's happiness than any other relationship. Yeah, I, I came about him when uh, we were doing five guys. He was on my list. Mm -hmm. We didn't bring him up then because I think we had five billion other things to talk about. <laughs> As usual, right? Yeah, it, I left him on the cutting room floor back then. But uh, yeah, he's definitely relevant for for this discussion. Um, and just to be clear, by friendships, we are defining those as how we normally couch them, right? Like relationships that we choose to participate in because of the way that person makes us feel. Yes, that's correct. Okay. That's correct. Mm -hmm. So so Dr. Chabot conducted two studies in which he interviewed nearly, listen to this, 280,000 people on friendships and found that friendships became especially important as we grow older. I feel like you needed to be more emphatic with that, like sort of like a back to the future, 1.21 gigawatts, <laughs> 280,000 people. Because as a researcher, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to interview no 280,000 people. <laughs> that's like, that's, no. that's a lot of, that's a lot of folks to chat with. Yeah, I wouldn't want to distribute that many uh, that many surveys, right. let alone talk to people. Right. And by the way, 1.21 gigawatts, that's two pop culture references for you in one episode. And I am beside myself. I know. I know. I'm pretty proud of myself. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I see how happy they make you. And so I'm taking my uh, cues from you. So <laughs> for the going, record, I yeah. have seen Back to the Future. Oh, so that, yes. Okay, good. I'm surprised. Yeah. 
Once upon a time, I had more time in my life to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. But to your point, okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me because because the nest gets a little emptier, right? And because right. you have pulled your head out with age and realized the value of friendships and what they bring to your life. Yeah, and and it's also, I mean, as you get older, you think about, you know, when you retire, you're you're used to being around how many people at work right and now you're not around them anymore and you know you're used to taking your kids to sporting events and hanging out with other parents and now your kids are grown and gone so like your social circle definitely shrinks right. and those friendships become so much more important i think that's what i'm saying when i was saying like the nest gets a little emptier like yeah all, no. all me, not just home yeah, I yeah, yeah. Really no, you're, yeah just home but yeah your whole sphere just sort of shrinks yeah yeah absolutely agreed. yeah but he also noted that there are some some differences in how friendships operate between men and women. Mm-hmm. So women who participated in the study reported more support and less stress from their friendships than men did. And, and the positive impacts were much more profound for women than for men, specifically that the health and happiness benefits of friendship were overall more pronounced among women compared to men. I mean, this totally makes sense to me. Uh... Just both as a person and just as someone like listening to you relay research. I mean, if I'm getting more support and less stress from my relationships, then they're going to be better for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a question. I don't know the answer to this. Let's see. So do we know if his study was just women with women as friends? Or are we saying that the same conclusions hold true for women who have men as friends? Mm, Oh, that's... That's a really fascinating uh, question, and I I don't know for sure. I think I believe that he was just talking about women and their women friends, but I I, I don't know for certain. Mm-hmm. I was just curious, so I was just trying to think significantly. So right. you're doing a great job. <laughs> but that also tracks. I mean, friendship is socialized differently among men and women. We've had Absolutely. lots of conversations about this. Yes, we have women can have intimate relationships with one another. Society accepts that, but the same is definitely not true for men. Not at all. Right. Right. Especially, especially in uh, our generation and, and before us, mm-hmm. I think the younger generations are kind of overcoming that a little bit. Right. They don't care. Um, right. Yeah. But, but, but for many, I think men are impeded from being open and intimate with their male friends because of those social norms right well just look at you know if if men do have a close relationship they're said to have a bromance like we make right. fun of it right right it's right and that's and that's <clears throat> yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but no but i'm just but saying that, those relationships aren't met with the same support and celebration lent to women friendships at all no right no not typically and that makes me wonder if if men really do get that health and happiness kick like they do really feel a great deal of value and reward from that friendship but don't report on it mm-hmm. they don't yeah maybe they are feeling it but they don't want to it's not cool to say right yeah right they don't want to like be yeah. emotionally invested in their friend mm-hmm. right that's a that's an interesting thought yeah so before i mean i feel like we're already off on a little tangent but before we get any further off on this <laughs> Uh, there's a, a point that I want to make sure I make before we, before we drift away. Before we get on that dirt road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we lose the GPS signal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, so the point that I wanted to make is that Dr. Chopik says that 
if you want to really enjoy a vacation, traveling with your friends is the way to go. Pete, do you find this to be profound? I mean, <laughs> like, why are you bringing this up? Anyone who's traveled with two plus kids anywhere knows this. Because <laughs> if I take you on vacation, I'm not taking your pack and play. I'm not worried if the restaurant in Miami is chicken fingers. I don't, you're on your own, man. <laughs> why are you making this point? This is like, no shit. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yes, that's all true. That's all <laughs> undeniable. But the good doctor says that the reason that we should vacation with friends is to share that experience and time with a person who makes us feel good while also getting that face-to-face -face time with them. Okay. Right. And that, that deepens our connection with that person mm -hmm. and strengthens the enjoyment that we get from being around them and how much we enjoy doing things with them. It becomes a bit of a, of a, of a positive feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and we've talked again, here's another callback for you. We talked about the value of face-to-face -face communication in our in our very first episode. Okay. As soon as you started talking about this face-to-face, -face, I was like this, oh, he's setting himself up. <laughs> yeah. You're I like, was like, that's why he wants to make this point. Yes. Talk right. about a positive feedback loop, Pete. That was pretty nice. <laughs> you're like, you're like, he would not let this go back in the first episode and he's still on it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh goodness! Well, you know, okay, to to just to, just to get this back up on the road here. Okay, yeah. Uh, I found additional research that substantiates what you're saying, and although it's a bit dated, it's from 2008. Oh my! Right, I know, which seems like yesterday, but it was two yesterdays ago. Uh huh. It, it holds true, and I'm fairly certain that we touched on this episode in Five Guys, and I freaking oh, look at you with the I hate back. saying that, but but if people are like, haven't you already talked about this? Um, this is the longitudinal social network analysis that followed 4,000 plus participants in Framingham, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh -huh. These participants formed a social network and were studied for 20 years. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely talked about this study, um, quite a bit in that episode, as you said. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if we said it by name. I, I don't do think not, we did. I don't recall. Yeah. But this is the study where we talked about, um, you know, if your friend smokes, you're X amount more more likely to be a smoker. Uh, if someone that lives within a, a friend that lives within a mile of you becomes happy, you're 25% more likely to become happy yourself. Yes. And the part that I want to highlight is that it isn't just that happy people hang out with happy people. It is that happiness actually spreads. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. People could right. be like, oh, well, I just want to, if I don't want to be with the Debbie Downer, I want to hang out with happy people, but that's not what's happening here. It right. is actually that there is like some level of contagion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember that now. And, and if I, if I'm recalling correctly, the study found that similar effects were found in um, co-resident spouses. So, so if you lived with your spouse and they were happy, you'd be happier. Mm -hmm. uh, if you uh, had family, uh, siblings, I think that live within a mile of you yep. that are happy, uh, you're, you'll, you tend to be happier. Um, if your neighbors are happier, you'll be happier. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that, that there was a, that there was a, a, a no correlation, which I found interesting between the happiness of your coworkers and mm -hmm. your happiness. That's just, that just stuck with me for some reason. That is correct. Cause that, and I know why it stuck with you. Cause it seems absolutely bonkers. Like it's like <laughs> happiness is a collective phenomenon, just not at work. 
Yeah, no, it really, it really like, because I mean, honestly, you know, you talk about my neighbors, I see the people at work magnitudes more than mm -hmm. I see my neighbors. And yet my neighbor's happiness will impact me and my coworkers won't just so weird. It is. But the research concluded uh, that people's happiness depends on the happiness of others with whom they're connected. So maybe, maybe the differentiator here is that people don't feel connected to the people they work with oh yeah yeah i mean possibly um hmm, now i'm thinking maybe yeah. i i'd have to go back to the original study and see you know how are things defined how were the questions phrased and what have you yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to think of my work relationships mm -hmm. well you know I, I mentioned contagion before but specifically you and i have talked about emotional contagion before and i mm -hmm. wonder how that relates like i right. i wasn't just throwing out yeah. that term out there for gp yeah <laughs> right right which with emotional contagion which is when uh when people work in groups they can they can literally catch emotions from each other mm -hmm. like viruses yes right mm -hmm. those feelings literally transfer from one person to the next Right. Um, and it, which is fascinating to me because I always used to, used to refer to a place as having like good or bad energy. And now I feel like, oh, yay, it's actually scientific unless I'm like the juju spectrum. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, no. Like I, could, yeah. I could feel it, but I just didn't know it was like a real thing. You know? Right. Yeah. It's, you're not reading anybody's aura here. It's, well, I mean, it, I am, but also. <laughs> <laughs> right. But But it starts out with, non-conscious mimicry right right so we're we're gonna shadow mm -hmm. another person's non-verbal cue so so they move the way they stand mm -hmm. um their facial expressions even if they're frowning we're gonna frown right uh and then over time our emotions and behaviors become synchronized like our like our uh, physical manifestations do mm -hmm. yeah but you're be your Framingham study, and now I'm it's now your Framingham study. Yeah, I like your that. Framingham I'll, study. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> is saying that people's happiness in the workplace does not depend on other employees, right? Right, you know, yeah. And as I think about it more, I wonder, I wonder if, if they weren't talking about just co workers at large uh -huh. and and not people who worked on teams together, which okay. which that could potentially be an explanation for the for the difference. Right. Because I'm thinking about this now too, because like with your next door neighbor, to some degree, you are kind of working together. You right. are, you do. Yeah. I mean, you, somebody's, somebody's got to mow the grass on that strip between the two houses. That, right. Yeah. Or pick up the, the recycling or, right. I don't, or yeah. when, when my leaves blow into your yard, I need to, like, <laughs> you know, do my part to keep your yard clean. That is some wind since we live states apart. So oh, I want you to know. <laughs> I will now be on the lookout for leaves that are coming from your. Yeah. If they, if they're there, let me know. I'll come over and rake them up. <laughs> These are clearly Midwest leaves. <laughs> yes. right. Well, yeah. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. Like what is the differences? And I'm going to dive into this actually, because now I just can't let it go. Not the leaves part, Pete, but the, <laughs> the part about like, why, why, why are things different at work versus my neighbors and my friends who live a mile away from me? Yeah. Anyway. Right. I'll be yeah. thinking about it. So I want you to know. No, I, I, it's definitely worth thinking about. But I, I think, I feel like we're drawing to a close on this conversation. I just want to reiterate 
even though we're we're kind of leaving here with a hanging chad, uh, <laughs> that that there's there's that people the people that we surround ourselves with mm-hmm. have have a definite impact on whether or not we're happy day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And and think about also, of course, the role that you play in that too, right? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we're like. Oh, you know, these people make us happy. We have to think about our role in this too. What are we doing to influence other people? Sure, especially especially as we just talked about. Right. You know, if I'm walking around with a smile on my face, you start mimicking me. No, I'm in HR. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to see if you're in a drug testing position and I'm going to. That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah, I feel like we've drifted away now. So I what feel do, like what do you say? To put a pin in this now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do, you say, well. what do you say we wrap it up? <laughs> so Pete and I would love to continue this discussion with you while we wait for his drug results. Uh, <laughs> check us out on the social media. How do you define happiness? What are the core components of it for you? How do the people in your orbit influence your happiness? And more importantly, how are you influencing their happiness? Reach out and share with us. You can find us on the Twitter. Thanks, Elon Musk. And Instagram (laughs) at ThinkSigPod. And on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. If you enjoyed our conversation, please invite your curious friends to listen. Mm -hmm. Melissa and I will be back next week to discuss another fascinating aspect of happiness. Until then, we encourage everyone to think significantly about the world around you.